we are back in the Football Shed, your weekly podcast for fans that live in the wrong time zone like we do. My name's John Hewitt, Jeff King is here. G'day. And Roger Gibbs is back. Hello. Roger, how was your six months off? Uh, Did you discover yourself on the other side of the world? No, I discovered why I left England. (laughs) (laughs) Football's great. Yeah, okay. Uh, We'll move on after that, shall we? Yeah, that's fair enough. Well, it's good to have you back because uh, date night with Jeff was getting a bit much. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty sick of listening to myself. Yeah, and just talking to each other. So uh, we hope you bring some enthusiasm. Was he getting all gaudy on you? Insight. Uh, A little bit. Um, Have you ever tried to (laughs) smuggle a dog anywhere? Ah. Not, no, no. Like in a taxi or on a tram or anything. Yeah, no. Smuggle a dog. You know what I mean? Smuggle a dog. You never tried to smuggle a dog? No. no. Never? You've never like gone, no. oh, no, a big no dogs at on, on trains? I got or... accused of kicking a lady's dog yesterday. <laughs> really? <laughs> you probably did, I'm guessing. No, I stuck my leg in the way because the dog wouldn't leave Ernie alone. And she's like, don't kick my dog. And went wow. off and won at me. I kicked a hedgehog down a hill once. Yeah, I remember oh, you no, that is not okay. No, it was dark and I thought it was a football. That's quite apt for this podcast. <laughs> no, you're telling yourself you thought no. it was football to make yourself feel It was a football. It was dark. you kicked a poor, defenceless, cute animal. Dark, dark, oh. on top of a hill, right? Shut your eyes and imagine it. Top of the hill, dark. I was like, oh, someone left their football. I'm going to punt this so far down the hill. <laughs> I walked up and I tow-boked it. It went, meow. <laughs> it just flew off down there. I was like, oh, that was a hedgehog. <laughs> That was a hedgehog. At least they're built to roll. Yeah, no more ribcage. Now, what about the the dog smuggling? No, I was just curious. It's one of those things that you've got to do. Um, I've (laughs) smuggled a dog a few places. Now, wait a minute. So there is no story to this. I was just curious. I've I've done one in in a taxi, on a train. Have you ever smuggled a dog in a taxi in a bag? But what made Mm. you think about this? Well, you've got to put it in a bag. Who are you, Paris Hilton? (laughs) No, not like a bag like that, like a sack. (laughs) You never put a dog like in a sack? Like an enclosed sack? Well, like a sack, a, dog a sack in a taxi. Did you then throw it off a bridge? No, no. It's a dog, Rog. But then the dog can't breathe. Not a cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeff, what are you drinking this evening? Straight whiskey, John. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the, the smuggling dog story. It's the Christmas wow. Rog, what have you bought? Back some nice warm English ale? Uh, no, no. I, I've got my... New beers from my exciting bottle shop in, um, where are we? Resi. Yes. Mm. Uh, I've got an Old Wives Northeast uh, IPA. Old Man Yells at Cloud. That is so hipster. It's quite delicious, though. (laughs) Brewed around the corner. It's probably something you'll do when you're older. Just shout at clouds. What what are you drinking today, John? I already do, John. (laughs) Um, I have Kirin, Japanese beer, uh, because it was in Audi, and I didn't want wine. Great. And uh, it's made with rice, so it's nicer to my belly. You didn't want wine? It's really hot and sweaty. John, when has that ever stopped you? Do you you? know, last night I had red wine and Coke. That's delicious. I've heard heard that is delicious. Or just put ice cubes in it. Nah, not right. Um, But anyway, we're going to start with a question, but before we do, let's get the admin out of the way. Um, if you want to get in contact, ask us a question, tell us we're wrong about something, welcome Rog back from his faraway journeys. Um, just find us on Facebook, search Football Shed, or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, also, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. And of course, tell your mates so more people can listen to our wonderful dog stories. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not going to get that time back. I just don't think that anyone could admit that they haven't smuggled a dog somewhere. Well, I've, I've had a dog for three and a half years and never had to smuggle them anywhere. The thing is, whenever, when other people smuggle dogs, I, they always look so much calmer than I feel when I smuggle a dog. <laughs> John, quick move on. Please. So the question this week is about Pet Guardiola. Pet Guardiola? <laughs> the dog. <laughs> Puppy Guardiola. <A> Puppy Guardiola. <laughs> just won his 300th league game. How many games did it take him to get there? So this is across mm. Barcelona, Bayern, and Man City. Three hundred and ninety-six. Rog, uh, three hundred and eighty. Three hundred and ninety. So Ooh, Jeff wins. Yes. What? Which what? is but that's like quite amazing. Your teeth. Out of like that's seventy-five percent win percentage. Yeah, well, that, that is amazing. Good. I mean, one of them was in a monkey league. Yeah, <laughs> which which monkey league? Fine. He's had a couple. Yeah. Well, actually, okay. two. <laughs> Spain's basically <laughs> Who says the Premier League's arrogant? <laughs> the other leagues are shit. It's what everyone's saying about Klopp right now. Yes, true. Um, that is quite impressive. You would almost conclude from that that he's a pretty good manager. Yes, or that he's just been the manager of the best team in the best in the league. 
Like Can Angelotti. I, um, I've got a question on it. <laughs> yep. Do you... It's, it's more question. an opinion. Do you hope that he hangs around? Do you like? Do you no, think? No, do you think question. he'll? Do you think he'll hang around? And would you like to see him hang around? I don't. I would not like to see him hang around because he actually bores me a bit. Okay. I, I, I'm a the bit. Perf- the perfection bores. Yeah, you. I'm a bit bored of Pep perfection. I'm a bit bored of Pep football. I'm a bit bored of watching Man City, and it's brilliant. We've said this a million times on here before. Brilliant. A little bit bored. Like do you, they, but do they, you think he has to change? Like when perfection's challenged, or do you think he'll just he'll keep? No, he won't. I'm going to answer my own question. He'll be like, no, I'll keep doing the same thing, but I'll do a bit better. Exactly. Yeah. A few different things. I think once he's gone, we will miss it. And I think we will almost um, eulogise the, the, what existed when he was here. You know, we, would, we will enjoy the Man City side posthumously more than we do when it's currently happening. I think we're all fed up of the machine and have been fed up of the machine for a few years now. But I think once it doesn't exist anymore... And once Man City change and the, the coaching changes and, you know, once we've moved past this phase of football, we're going to look back at one of the best teams we've ever seen in England. But do you think we would, like, because I hated United when United won everything and were playing and I still hate United. Yes, fair enough. The other the other thing is I don't think that, and this, this might be controversial, I don't think that Liverpool would be as good right now if it wasn't for Pep being in the league. Definitely, because they've, they've had to be pushed by Man City. Exactly right. You, you used to be able to... Lose a few games, draw a few games, yeah. but it was proven over the last two seasons. I mean, it was proven when Liverpool got ninety-nine points and didn't win the league that you are either perfect or you are a loser because yeah. there is a team in that league that is perfect. And if yeah. and if you are going to win, you have to have the mentality of you need to win every game. A point is not good enough, and that's changed how Liverpool play and it's changed their mentality. And there's no way that they would be performing the way they would have now had last season not happened. And that is thanks to Manchester City, which Liv- is thanks to Pep Guardiola. But that's why I want him to stay, from my point of view. I don't know if he would I don't know if he will be purely because he generally doesn't, right? We know yeah, he has a yeah. limited shelf life. It's hugely intense for his players, but also for him. Like he, you, yeah, well, he doesn't from relax. Barca, he had a year off, didn't yeah. he? Just after he left. Like, uh, but a sabbatical, they call it. Roger, I, I, sabbatical. I just, I really, I'm really intrigued to see. I think even Liverpool can't fuck this up now. Like I, I, <laughs> I, I think they're going to win the league this year. I don't think I'm going out on too much of a limb by saying that, but I am so intrigued already about what happens next year because, like, can Liverpool keep this up? Like, if they keep going the way they're going, it's amazing. But Manchester City, if they win their last 16 games this year, yeah. they could still finish up on, like, something like 96 points or 98 yeah. points, which would which have won the league in, you know, five years, of the last 10 yeah. years. Uh, yeah, so it's that's still bloody good. City already looking like they have entered that gear that they were in at the end of the season last year where they're going to win every game. Yeah. It looks like the last two, three weeks, they've just shifted up and they've gone, okay, we are going to be ruthless. And this is exactly how that run started. I know you can say any run starts with a win and whatever, yeah. but they are playing the way they played when they just won every game until it's over. I think Liverpool will look at that and go, yes, we're 16 points clear or whatever, with a game in hand, whatever it is. It's going to be hard to throw that out, you know, throw that yeah. with the bathwater, but genuinely think that they will keep up that pressure on themselves because Man City might win every game until until the end of the end of the year. And the way Man City beat Villa at the weekend, it was six one in the end, I think. And it was just brutal. And it you were right, it wasn't the oh we've got two 0 up, we'll just relax. It was we're going for ninety minutes and we will just destroy you. And we- Liverpool are scraping one nil wins. They've won seven or eight games by one nil this year, and in, and in, in stoppage time, you know they're they're winning games that they should draw. Um, can we? I guess let's start on that Man City game if, we, yeah. if you're going yeah, yeah, to bring it up already. I have not heard enough complimentary rhetoric about Kevin De Bruyne's performance in that game. He was so good. Is that because we do it every week? Because he is like clearly the best player in the Premier no, League by a bit at the moment. Probably be, it's because um, Aguero got that record that, that, yeah, that's, that's dominating the rhetoric. But actually, I have not seen a more complete midfield performance in the Premier League. I'm not sure ever. He can do everything. And the assist for Jesus' yeah. goal oh. is cro- like, cross pass. But It's amazing. I don't think anyone else on the planet thought... If everyone who watched that game... No one went. Oh, like cross it to that guy. No one saw. Well, he it. wasn't open. He was. He was. Wasn't just not open. He wasn't even close to being open. Jesus made a bad run, really. Yeah. But Aguero looked up, saw where he was, and found him. Yeah. You do you think in the, not Aguero De Bruyne? Um, but do you think De Bruyne in that scenario went? 
uh, I'm going to cross it because I know he's there, or just went, I'm really good at crossing it like this. I know where the Man City players are going to be. Is it making him look better? If you put the ball to the back post for Man City, Sterling, Aguero, um, Silva, anyone's going to be there. So actually, he didn't see it either. He just went for it. No, I don't think... um, So you mean, did he pick the pass or did he just put it in a good area? Yeah. I think with De Bruyne and the way you watch him play, he he sees it. And I think the thing that sets him apart from from so many other players is he gives himself time to do that because his first touch, we talked about it a lot, his first touch always sets him going forward. Like every time he receives the ball, turns and, and goes. In one movement. And yeah. one movement. And often he'll, he'll almost beat his man in doing that. And that gives him time to then look up and, and play the pass. But I yeah. just think he's so good at just being able to have that little look a few yards before. And, I mean, maybe some of it's anticipation, you're right, and knowing that the player's there. But I think he is that that ball or that... It, is it a cross? Is it a pass? I don't know. But I, I, there's no one else in the Premier yeah. League who can, can do it like him. And he can do it on both feet. Mm. Yeah, That's he, the amazing and thing. And he does it regularly. Just, it's not just yeah. it's not out of the blue. It's not like he's just come from nowhere and, he, and there's a ball and you go, oh, isn't that a succulent pass? That's his pass. Do you and know what I mean? He, like, he's known what's for it. Is that 14 assists this year? Yeah, which is already? ridiculous. Which and is insane. But so many of them came from that same area as well. Like, it was an inside right area. Yeah. Mm. And no one plays in that position. Yeah. He's the only person that seems to end up in that position and create goals from there. People might be there, but they'll look out wide or they'll look inside. They won't go, oh, I can cross from here to, to someone to yeah, finish. Do, do you I, think Pep like said that that is where you're going to play? Or do you think that De Bruyne naturally takes up that inside right I position? Think, no, I think that's a Pep thing because when De Bruyne first went to Man City, he was a winger. Like he played yeah. as those front three. He he winger, like at, winger at Chelsea, yeah. winger at yeah. Gink. Or, mm. yeah. um, and so he was always one of the front three playing wide, might drop into a number 10 sometimes. But now he's a midfielder who fills this inside right role um, and just does it better than anyone. The thing is he plays it inside right, but still crosses the football. That's the thing. If, mm. And if you convert a winger, you know, we've spoken all about converting fullbacks, converting centre-backs, convert a winger into an inside midfielder and still maintain that they play the same types of ball that they did on the wing. And you get someone who drifts inside and then still crosses it, which is the reason why you get these angles that go in and behind centre-backs, because actually he's crossing it from a very, very strange position on the pitch. To And that kind of ball should be played when he's run to the byline and it's coming back across. Yeah. The fact that it isn't, the fact that it's kind of all, it's a semicircle back in pitch, but he's still playing the same type of pass. I would argue that um, from a Villa perspective, those centre backs were in the perfect position. Yeah, you can't do, they, you can't defend it. They were doing yeah. their job. Yeah. He had there were three defenders. They had their left back, both centre backs, who were all covering. One was covering De Bruyne's space, and the other two were, were very very central yeah. and and very organised. They knew where they were. They knew where Jesus was. Jesus was in eyesight. Yeah. You know that they, they had everyone covered in the right spot. But there was a corridor that no one else in this world could see. Yeah, the ball was just too good. I I would like to talk about Aguero briefly though if only that I mean all his goals were good they were Aguero, they were all a bit different the one what's, they were, wallops it yeah, such an Aguero <laughs> goal no, yeah there's no other striker in the league that kind of does that whack it. and he's like yeah I'm going to whack this and it's yeah. going to go in um, I love him mm. and I I've really enjoyed watching him he's obviously what did he he's the highest scoring uh, foreigner Fondler. and has the most hat tricks yeah. after that where would you put him in the like, would you... I, I've i never been as big a fan of Shearer as you've been. I would say he's a better player than Shearer was. About Henri? Henri's a very different player. Um, if, I, if I had to have one striker right now in my team playing up front, I'd pick Aguero. Definitely Jelovic. <laughs> <laughs> For that six-week period, why not? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think well, he's I, I, he just didn't, wasn't given a chance. That's his problem. But I agree with you. I think if you injuries aside, I mean that might be the only thing that counts against him. But yeah. he's the best pure finisher, striker, whatever you want to say. That yeah. I think we've potentially seen in the in the Premier League, and he can do it all. And the thing I've loved is he's got better under Pep. Yeah. Like he's he's added more to his game, and he ha- I kind of thought shit when he gets a bit older and he, he loses a yard. Maybe that's him done because he's another one of these players that kind of you know plays on the shoulder, 
You know, it's all yeah. about timing of the run, and you saw it in his. Yeah. I can't remember which goal it was, but he just made that run in between the centre backs. But he never runs mm. more than three yards. No, mm. he doesn't run a long way. It's not like always run from the left to the right to make a run. He's just gone in and out quickly and gets there. And yet the, the two most non-Pep players that Man City have had over the last few years have probably been their best performers, and that's Aguero and Vincent Company. Yep. They are neither one of those he would choose. If he had 100 players to choose from, he would not choose. And yet both of those have driven the, the Man City ethos over the last few years. And maybe Yaya Torre. Which again, yeah, he was a reject. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he was a reject because of the type of player he was. Yeah. He was a lumbering yeah. powerhouse, which yeah. is the opposite to a pet player. Did you both have um, Aguero in your BBC team of the decade? I didn't yes. didn't do a BBC team of the decade. Yeah, I I did about th- fifty. <laughs> just because you had a second child, had to had to make a smoothie or something more important than that. <laughs> do you know the only other player that I would put Flossing. in there? This is controversial. That I think I'd put up with him is perhaps Suarez. Yeah, okay. Partly because of what Suarez has gone on and done at Barca. Yeah, like, but I that you know limited time he had at Liverpool, <clears throat> he was so good. I think um, Aguero's also got the best goals per game yeah. ratio or goals per minute ratio of any, anyone. any anyone. And I just think you'd, you'd love him in your team. All right. Let's move on to Aston Villa, who got whacked 6-1 by Man City. Danny Drinkwater made his debut. The, the last three games Danny Drinkwater's played have been for Aston Villa, Burnley and Chelsea, all against Man City. No. And oh, God. Lost that's, 6-1, 4-1 and 2-0. <laughs> um, he didn't look fit. Oh, he looked like a fat bloke. Why did they pick it? I just found it bizarre. I'm like, whoa, get him off. Like, well, he just looks so off the base. But in theory, he's a £35 million midfielder who's won the Premier League, who can pass a ball. But he hasn't played for 17 years. No, exactly. <laughs> so you, you're going to... you know, you could, was getting a pub fight. Oh, we'll, we'll throw <laughs> yeah. him in against Man City. Like, it's like, it's it, cruel. It was like, kind of cruel. Come on. Yeah. Like, I just see him, like, chasing after people going, oh, De Bruyne, oh, I can't, you know, I can't get there. Yeah, yeah, poor bugger. Um, especially putting him up against Mares. You're like, yeah. oh, you know Mares. You used to play with Mares. I tell you what, mark him. You're like, oh, it's okay. like, I, I like lots of things I see about Aston Villa. Mm. Like I, I've, I watched a bit of them over the Christmas break. Like I'm, I think Jack Grealish. The more I see him, the more I think he is a really he's a knob, but he is a really excellent footballer. Yeah. Um, and I quite rate uh, Mings. I think is a far better player <laughs> than. <laughs> Jeff enjoys that name, Tyrone Mings. I think I think he's a far better player than I thought he was. Like I actually yeah, he's think good. he's a good centre back, yeah. and I. But, but I'm concerned. I worry about them because they yeah. they just lose. And, yeah. <laughs> they lose games of football. They're inconsistent, which is concerning. Also, I don't like what Dean Smith came out straight away after the game. The first thing he said was, "Oh, their front three cost more than the whole of our squad." No one gives a shit. Like, we yeah. all know that. And you spent 100 million. Yeah, like, don't. That... Uh, I can't judge on spending 100 million. They lost six players or whatever before but he they can't, They can't the cry poor because there's a lot of yeah. teams in the league that have got much less resources than they The do. other thing that annoyed me about Aston Villa in this game is a lot of their fans left after about half an hour when they were 3 0 down. Now, one, you've paid money to go and see, so get your entertainment's worth. Two, your team is struggling, so support them. That's what you're there to yeah. do. And you get to watch one of the best teams of all time play. Like, enjoy, go, okay, we're going to lose 8-0. But you know what? I get to see De Bruyne in the flesh do his thing. How often that's going to happen? In two years' time, when you're in the bottom half of the championship, Watching you'll be dreaming of, the, yeah, dreaming of the afternoon when you can see Aguero score is however many hats. That's not a like, good sign, though. To me, no. that says that the fans aren't properly... To, to me, that says I don't think Dean Smith's got very long in his job. Yeah, there is talk that they... I think they'll give him the season because it's too late to change anything now. But I don't know whether the players believe in it. I don't know whether the fans believe in him. So, but well, it's, it's interesting that um, from what I've been hearing, the the problem with Aston Villa and the problem with their recruitment in the summer is their lack of quality academy players. So, so the money that they've been investing, they're investing in the first team squad, and they've they've invested in a lot of wages. But what they've not been doing is investing in the infrastructure of their club. Mm. They, they've not been upgrading their stadium. They've not. They haven't improved their training ground, and they they haven't got the academy. That means in a in a time like this, where where Wesley's injured, and this they is this bring is bringing Danny Drinkwater. Yeah, yeah, they bring in Drinkwater. They don't bring in uh, an academy player who's twenty one, who's chomping at the bit, who's going to yeah. play with the you know pride of the shirt. 
and if maybe you are, Pepe Rain is the answer. <laughs> but at the, at the same time, if you're a, a kid in the Midlands, um, from what I hear, the Wolverhampton Academy is excellent, the West Brom Academy is excellent, and the Birmingham City Academy is excellent. So mm. Aston Villa, over the last five years, have let their standards drop, which means that they don't have this conveyor belt of kids the way mm. they used to have. And, and that means that when they find themselves in a situation they're in now, they have to go back to the transfer market, which is a self-defeating prophecy. Because if you are using your excess money to try and replenish your squad instead of using your excess money to build up a, an academy that's quality to help replenish your squad, not only are you throwing good money after bad, but you're not actually building up your on-pitch value. Yeah. You know, if they were bringing in a striker right now that, you know, it was had the Dominic Calvert-Lewin effect, you know, like scored five goals, low, they might be scrappy, yeah. upped his own value, and then you got relegated. That striker's worth some money, yeah. which means that, that you're in a better position as a club because of because you're selling your assets and reinvesting in your business. But actually what they're doing, what they will have to do, spend more money than they should in January on players they don't need because they've got players that are injured that play in that position. Good. And then they lose value when they get relegated. Or you loan someone like Glenn Murray, which is 36 years old, and might get you a few goals, but next season you go he's well, gone again and you have to spend position. another 100 million to get in the same position you were the previous well, you, year you already feel like if Villa go down they're in trouble whereas you mm. talked about it last week Norwich have kind of they've planned for it you know yes they they, they want to try and stay in the Premier League and everyone they're going to play their way yeah. everyone does but they're they haven't bet the house. You know, mm. they're, they're comfortable. They've got their structure in. If they go down, they've got a strategy for how they'll get back. Whereas I sort of feel like Villa are a bit more, if they go down, they're in strife. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the Liverpool-Spurs game, which was the big game of the weekend. Um, Liverpool won 1-0. But I think they were comfortably better than Spurs. Spurs were just a bit bland. and it, Better in the second half, maybe. Better in the second half, but still, it was so... like. As a jaded Man United fan, having watched Jose for two years, it was really the predictable, boring, a little bit sad watching a team at home just go, "Oh yeah, we, we 20, they had twenty percent possession in the first half. Like that's embarrassing." Yeah, but that's what um, I mean, the, sorry, that's what Mourinho does. They, they yeah. would have known that that was Mourinho's strategy yeah. in what he considers big games. You know, people say that Mourinho can can set up a team for big games. What he does in big games is relinquish possession because yeah. he thinks that the yeah. most important the most important bit in Mourinho's football is the transition of play. And we saw um, his most successful time, in my opinion, was when he was at Chelsea. Yeah, uh, because it was the time where fewer teams were alive to his type of tactics. What he did was let the ball go, transition quickly, and nick a goal. Yeah. And and when you remember those Chelsea Barca games, Barcelona were excellent. Sorry for those who don't remember, Chelsea played Barcelona in the Champions League, and Ronaldinho scored in the last minute semi final. The semi final. Yeah. But Chelsea were the worst team with less possession. However they absolutely put up a fight because they relinquished possession, transitioned quickly and scored a goal in the break. And Mourinho set his side up to do that. He set his side up for his whole life to do that and he did exactly the same at the weekend. But he do you think be, people he, are bored of it though? Like I, I wonder, like what John's saying, like, I, I think it's this whole concept of he is the arch pragmatist. Mm-hmm. So his and it was exactly the same in this game, you're right. And I like I don't understand like you shouldn't be surprised about it, it's what Mourinho does, but he puts all his eggs in the I will stop the other team from mm. playing basket. And he I actually think he he did some of that quite well against, he nearly succeeded. against Liverpool. Like yeah. he, he did neutralise a lot of Liverpool's strengths. And I think it says a lot about how good Liverpool are that they were still able to get through that. But I just wonder whether we all know what Mourinho paint does. Like yeah. it's you know, we've seen it now for like it doesn't change. Mm. And I just I'm, I think like I'm a bit bored of it, and I wonder whether a lot of people are because it stems. It's a negative tactic. Like it's yeah. not. It's not like Sheffield United. It's not like trying to come up with some revolutionary way to mm. be creative. It's the complete opposite. It's about stifling the other team so much that you win. And it's just so predictable. And if you Spurs right now are sat eighth in the league. If you lose seventeen nil to Liverpool at home, you lose seventeen nil at home to Liverpool. If you lose 1-0, it's the same result. Your yeah. goal difference is slightly worse. It's the first time you play in the top of the league at home as the new manager. Yes, Harry Kane's out. I get that. But at least go for it. It's such a defeatist... Like, if you if I was a Spurs fan, all the energy of having Mourinho, you'd just go, oh, God. But if Lo and Sun score, which they both should... Yeah, yeah. Lo Celso missed some cities. And, 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 they, and they win 2-1. Mm. Would we... 
look at it differently. No. I don't know. Like, I still but sort I of feel like I just don't like the whole... I'm just a bit bored of the whole negativity. But yeah. what do you like football for? That, that's a, like, yeah. if, they, if they won 2-1, I guess we would get so caught up with the fact that Liverpool lost and Spurs won and it was Mourinho and the... A Mourinho the, masterclass. That's the, yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. The, yeah. the rhetoric would, would overlay the actual enjoyment of football. And the enjoyment of football just wasn't there. If you're a Spurs fan, and they could have easily won 2-1. But there, there was some stuff chances in the papers, in that game. I feel like, was still... Mourinho masterclass even though they lost like yeah. a lot of people said oh you know it did so well to stifle Liverpool's strengths and stuff and I'm like I've watched the game and I thought yes Spurs were better second half and yes they limited Liverpool but I think that it really showed how much Liverpool have improved that they now have so many ways that they can win a game and so many players that they can bring in and out and their system will still function yeah. and, and big game players that can do it that I never thought that result was in doubt like, I know no. it was only 1-0 and Spurs should have won, yeah. but they didn't. They won. And I, watching the game, I always felt like Liverpool were going to win. And I think, like, you have to make a shout-out for Bobby Firmino because his goal was amazing. Oh, such a good finish. And, yeah. But they also, when they... That front three, Salah didn't play that well. Mane was a bit quiet. When the chance arrives, Firmino just goes, yeah, I'll go and take it and I'll score it. And they do that, and one of them will step up each game and win them a game. Nine goals away from home this year. Six of them have been winners. That's amazing. Like wow. that's what you want from your number nine. Yeah, um, I'm already sick of it. It's amazing when you look at Mourinho's stats, and I'm sorry I don't have them in front of me, so I can't give you the actual numbers. But since his uh, first stint at Chelsea, the time it's taken him to get to a uh, hundred points with the club has gone down, down, and down, and down, and down. Okay. Oh, sorry, you, you know what I mean. He's got to 100 points in a longer, longer, longer time. Yeah. Every single club since that first Chelsea to a point where you can draw a straight line from top to bottom. Yeah. Wow. And and that in itself is damning to to those who have worked out the way Mourinho plays football. And we've was, talked about it. I think it's because of how he manages and his personality. I think his whole career is squeezed up, and he does not have the same length of career as other managers. And I think he's. I don't. There's nothing I've seen so far at Spurs that makes me. He was trying to sell this. I'm rejuvenated. Things oh, would be such different. bollocks. It, it's all the same. Yeah. It's like um. What one last thing I want to say on this was uh for Liverpool. I read an interview with Andy Robertson, and yeah. he was talking about a bit of healthy um competition between him and uh, Trent. Trent. Yeah. And uh, he mentioned that the only other person he's seen kick a ball like Trent is Dave Beckham. Wow. And they they sort of talk about it like that and we've said that a few times on yeah, the pod so I was just interested that they sort of say they recognise that, well. that. Yeah. He's, yeah. That's, also one quick mention to Tanganga who I've never heard of until such a great name watching the name and going Tanganga that's the greatest name of all time who is this guy and he's brilliant well and overnight in the FA Cup there's been yeah. like I was just reading the you know BBC updates and like there were so many people going is it is it too early to like get him playing for England? And yeah. it's like, you know, like he's, <laughs> two but, good games, but, but he's obviously he does look he's got look everything. Like a player. Yeah. It's very quick. Um, let's go back down to the bottom of the table. Um, there was a huge game between Watford and Bournemouth, and Bournemouth lost. You would have loved this one at John. home. I it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am so enjoying all is right in the world that Eddie Howe's mansion is falling apart <laughs> in Bournemouth is a great plan of being the little blonde white man who's brilliant at coaching is found out is actually he's a bit shit it's got one idea once you stop scoring you got nothing yeah okay are they going down well I've predicted them to go down you do every year I do <laughs> the- this this run, and we've got to keep this in context, this run has coincided with their whole back line being injured. Yeah. Their, all of their starting back four are sick notes. Yeah. And that would throw any team out, out, of, the, out of their group. How can long I, is um, Ake out for? Well, I'm not sure. He's probably going to get sold No, injured. Ake played this weekend at, uh, left, okay. at left back. Um, I want to make a point about injuries because everyone's saying, like, Newcastle got loads of injuries. Everyone's got loads of injuries. Loads of yeah. injuries. Do you know who hasn't got loads of injuries? Liverpool. Sheffield United oh. and Liverpool. And Sheffield United and Liverpool playing well. So, one, is that luck or is it quality coaching and managing your players? I think there is a lot to be said about how you manage your players and how much you don't... It's just, a marginal gains thing again. How... Excuse me. How much you don't go with your gut of like, oh, this guy's really good, so you, you can you'll be all right. Just play one more. Yeah. It's going no. Nah, remove emotion from it. 
you're not playing this week because we need to manage you and we're playing this guy. Do you know, manage your players Sheffield well. United have rotated heaps, which is very unusual for a newly promoted team and that, no that has a very thin squad. Yeah. But he is, you know, you would think, your natural inclination would be he's going to play the same 11 every week and, you know, they'll yeah. try their heart out. But he has rotated that squad heaps. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I... Um, Oh, I don't want to talk. I'm not going to talk too much about Everton this this podcast. Yeah. But I, I heard an interview with Ancelotti this week because Yerry Mina was left on the bench, mm. right? And and he was asked about it. He goes, "Oh, you know, what's wrong, Yerry Mina?" He goes, "What do you mean? Yeah. I've got three centre backs that I rotate." He yeah. goes, "At the moment, we're only playing one game a week." He goes, "Wait till these players play every three days." He yeah. goes, "They'll want a break." He goes, "These guys are lucky. They get a week's worth of training. That's a pleasure." Yeah. And I listen to him like, okay, well, that's a manager who knows that. When you have high demands of football, you rotate your squad. If the players aren't willing to deal with it, then they can fuck off because this is your job. And it also, I think, from an Everton perspective, what a great expectation to set for your players that just ready because once we are playing three days a week, this is, you know, get used to this now. This is how it plays. But managing your squad, rotating your squad, no, it's not luck. No. no um, and so going back to Bournemouth, they have got a lot of injuries. But Bournemouth have generally, you could kind of pick their team for the last three yeah. years and you can kind of go, this will be the defenders. They might swap a winger out or two. Or they might bring someone on after 70 minutes. But it's pretty predictable. And now once they've stopped scoring and their squad's getting injured because it's predictable, they're in a real pickle. And to lose 3-0 at home to a relegation rival stinks of not trying, of not putting the effort in. Yeah, but Watford are a changed beast. Uh, oh, Watford yes. have won more points in the last four games in the Premier League than they had in the previous 17. Yeah, well, they, so, are, they are an absolute animal under Pearson. And Pearson has, has changed them, absolutely well, changed them. Uh, so I've got a theory on this. Like oh, Pearson's, I mean, I mean, I, 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 it's a question to you, is it Pearson? But the other thing I think that's perhaps a bit unfair to the previous coach was up until Pearson's arrived, Troy Deeney has not been fit the entire year and has barely played that makes a massive and difference Pearson's coming in has coincided with Deeney being fit and I, was, I, I read a story about Deeney over the um, over the break over my break that <laughs> I, I had no idea about but he's essentially Mr Watford mm. in the um, when Watford were really down in doldrums um, in the championship and they're really struggling it's championship league one coming but uh, Elton John Put on a um, obviously massive Watford fan. Is he still involved in the club? He's still involved or, in the club. Yeah, yeah. he's the so, chairman. So he did a tribute concert, and all the proceeds from the concert were going to go to buy one player to try and get them out of the rut. Yeah, the one player was Troy Deeney. Really? Wow. So all the money from That's the concert went, and they bought Deeney. And you just you see him play, and I don't think there's anyone else in the Premier League that cares more than Troy Deeney on the pitch. Mm. And so I think we do have to give Pearson some credit because Watford do look a changed team. But I also think that you can't underestimate how much impact having Deeney back in that team. Like I look at some of the young, like um, Saar um, on the right wing looks like a changed player. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sure a lot of that is suddenly having Deeney there going, you know, just telling him the right things yeah. and just saying, look, don't overthink it. Just... You're good. You're a good footballer. Do it. Get it in there, and I'll sort out. I'll. Yeah, I'll it's it's a voice on the pitch, and, and and Pearson's come in and said uh, the the quotes are. Sorry, I've not I've not gone to Watford training sessions recently, so I, I can't corroborate not, corroborate these quotes. But the, the he basically just came in and said, I don't care who you are. The expectation is you work to your best. Anything less, you will be dropped. That is my rule. Yeah. And Ben Foster, Goldie was on the radio the other day, and uh, Nathaniel Chalabar, my favourite. Um, was brought on as a sub by Pearson um, in about the 70th minute and then taken off again about 15 minutes later. I can't remember. It was one of the games over the Christmas period. Maybe someone was sent off or whatever. And Ben Foster said the first thing... They came in, they won the game. First thing they did, Nigel Pearson sat everyone down and said, I need to stand up in front of everyone and say sorry to Nathaniel Chalabar for subbing you off. It's an embarrassing moment to do. Like I had to do it for the team. I'm really, really sorry. Why did he do it? Uh, I think someone got sent like off. Structural it was tactical, or yeah, yeah, just yeah. had to do it for the game. They won the game. Talibar started the like, next two games and played brilliantly. And you get that kind of app, and suddenly you. Whereas go, it could have alienated him if he, he hadn't could have done just that. not like yeah. we saw Ferguson with Moise Ken earlier in the season, who didn't really talk to him when he came off the pitch, and we don't know what happened behind the scenes or whatever. 
but Pearson's created an atmosphere of kind of yeah, we believe in this guy, and suddenly everyone's playing for him and wanting to play well. And, and when, you, when you win like that, of course you believe in him. You, you you might be a Premier League player next year, whereas before Christmas you were fucked. Are they safe now, or do you think it's just bounce? A long, yeah, it's a long way. Yeah, it is. But do you think they'll? Uh, I can still see them slipping up, partly because I predict them to go down. Um, <laughs> but um, I don't think they're safe yet. I do like there's some Bournemouth are in a mess, Norwich are in a mess. But I think the rest um, could be a bunch of anyone, one of which, which we'll move on to, is Burnley. Uh, Burnley lost 3-0 to Chelsea. Burnley don't lose 3-0. Like, mm. Sean Dyche has been there for a long time, and however long they've been in the Premier League, yeah, they lose to the big teams, but it's usually 1-0, 2-1, or whatever, and they might get a goal here or there, or they might get someone sent off and might elbow someone in the face. And Chelsea or... have struggled at home. And I, yeah. I actually thought this was a classic Burnley get a result game. Yeah, exactly. Three nil, um, and for them to lose three nil, and I sh- saw Sean. I can't Sean Sean Dyche saw Sean Dyche <laughs> um, talk after the game, and it felt very just kind of empty management speak kind of. Oh yeah, we'll just keep doing the prings what we've I told always you he's do. Bo- he's bored of himself. Yes, like yeah. I bang on about this all the time. He yeah. is a fed up of his own. He's run out of things to say. He is so he's so fixated and so stuck in the way he plays football that he is almost he can't inspire himself to change. No, and the interesting kind of parallel between Bournemouth and Burnley is that Howe and Dyche are the longest service managers in the Premier League, both at seven years, um, and Howe actually went from Burnley to Bournemouth, um, and then Dyche took over. And it's kind of gone stale, stale. And seven years is a long time to be especially at a club. in the you know current environment in the Premier. Yeah. And I think it's it's sort of exacerbated by the fact that some of the promoted teams coming out. Like I know Norwich aren't doing great, but they still they've got a distinct style. And I think you know they play some good football there. And we've certainly seen um, Sheffield United doing it. And so and and Brighton have you know got a manager and they've got a way of playing football. So I think some are these other teams have got a clear identity now and have kind of, I feel like they've overtaken, but mm. like, you know, Burnley and, um, or Dyche and Howe have sort of been the, the poster boy for the managers outside of the top teams for doing well on limited resources. But I think what we're seeing now is that perhaps there's actually some other managers out there who are maybe better and can, and, and can, and can do that on the same resources. And on the limited resources thing, something I wanted to bring up whilst we were talking about Bournemouth, their net spend is higher than Liverpool, Spurs and Chelsea in the last five years. Wow. Like, that is outrageous. That? Yeah, if you think about the people they've bought, the kind of Jordan Ibe, Dominic Solanke's, the Jessen Lermers. 20 mil for Solanke. Asmir Begovic. mil for Jordan Ibe. Nathan Ake. Like and they don't buy, they don't sell their players for lots of money. They sell their players to Norwich for two hundred grand. But this is again. I, I'm going to go back to to the problem I was highlighting earlier with with Aston Villa's academy system. What so let's say Bournemouth go down, they are exactly the same as when they went up, but yeah. they've spent two hundred million pounds in achieving a net zero result. Yeah, they haven't put any money into their stadium, which is only holds twelve people. It's tiny, and and so you know they're not producing a crop of young players that are coming through. They, they haven't got a really competitive team in the Premier League B. You know the under twenty ones league, under twenty threes league. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's not anything more than a kind of a mask over a small side. I'm sorry if that, that's but, a very well, offensive no, right. thing to but say. I th- and I think that's the danger of only having an attitude of let's enjoy the ride. Yeah. and not have a bigger plan than that. And they have done that the entire time they've been in the Premier League. It's like, we are a small club, we are on limited resources, and we'll enjoy it while we can. The danger of that is it probably does have a limited time frame because you know you're not you haven't got a strategy to improve. You achieve nothing. You, you just you look at Wolves, okay? So Wolves obviously have a a very broad and long-term strategy of how they maintain their club at the upper echelons of the Premier League, or whether they're in the upper echelons of the Premier League or not, that they have a broad and dynamic scouting network across the globe. They have had really kind of modern deals with football agents. That they have um, a modern way of thinking about a football club with a director of football, and and 
that in itself means that they are positioning themselves above their station. And then when they get to seventh, to sixth, to, to what did they get last year? And they finished in the seventh, Europa League, uh, seventh and yeah. they got the Europa League qualification. That you don't question it. You go, okay, well, you've put yourself in that position. That's not you've overachieved. When Burnley got to the Europa League, you should say, arguably, that Burnley have had a longer time in the Premier League. They have had more experience. They've got Premier League players. Mm. You know, they have more right to be in the Europa League than Wolves. And but they, they got didn't... to the Europa League one year and it just caused them a pickle. That's what I mean. Yeah. You didn't look at them and go, okay, well, you deserve to be there. You, you've done the hard yards. This is Congratulations, you've taken your club this far. How are you going to kick on? It's the opposite. It was a free punt in Europe to try and, you know, to yeah. enjoy the, the away day. Where does the fault lie with this then in terms of if we say that things have gone a bit stale at Burnley and and um, Bournemouth and they both might be in a bit of trouble is it is it the managers or is it the hierarchy of the club uh, it's, it's a bit of both because if, as a manager you have to reinvent yourself but then also as an owner and as a boss you have to have the ability to go okay Eddie you maybe at the end of last season you go it's been amazing but we have to refresh mm. but then if they don't have a structure in place that is a plan where we go, this is all held together. Basically, they are Bournemouth's Eddie Howe, Burnley's Sean Dyche. Once you lose those two people, they actually don't know what to do which, next. Which I don't think is a good way to run a football no, match. No, it's Because we look, we look at the best, the best club. Oh, but it's also so hard because what are Man City and what are Liverpool, right? No, but okay. But, no, Man City yeah, have a structure yeah, in place. But we do talk about the best clubs being the ones where, you know, managers manager in manager out doesn't matter because we have a clear strategy of how we're going to from everything how how our club's structured you know how we're going to play what everyone's well, roles at the club are yeah you know so, so man city just got investment didn't they was it from the dubai capital group or whatever that they they, they oh, can't remember who it was yeah. but they, it made them the most expensive football club in the world do you remember they they sold 10% of themselves oh, yeah. That's right. yeah, 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 yeah so they got this i think it was like 3 billion or whatever huge sums and you know what they spent that money on Technology, all of it exclusively went to technology, and that is scouting technology, that's performance development technology, that's streamlining processes where they look at their loan players and how data is fed back to the parent club. That is ten percent of their value of the most expensive footballing club of the world, and they didn't spend it on the first team squad, they didn't spend it on training facilities, they spent it on an infrastructure that gave them those marginal gains. That you know, if Pep goes. That infrastructure still exists. Well, that, scouting that's still a, exists. We're going to spend this money. We're going to stay where we are. That's exactly right. And But they're doing that at the top of the league. I'm saying that if, if Eddie Howe leaves Bournemouth, they are, Eddie Howe is not leaving Bournemouth with a however billion yeah. dollar technology. Do I yeah. mean, obviously they're not going to do that in technology, but yeah. it's, it's an intelligent business position to go, I'm going to raise the average standard of all of the facilities of my football club. So if we do go down, we are very well positioned to go back up again, no matter who is in charge. Yep. Um, we just kind of moved off the Burnley game, but Chelsea beat them 3-0. So I wanted to go back to Chelsea just because their right wing was Reese James at fullback and Callum Hudson-Odoi at right wing. Um, and they're both English. They're both about 11. Um, and they're both brilliant. We've talked about uh, Rhys James yeah. a bit. Like He's definitely... Um, I'm a fan. Like I think we can say the pod is a fan of him. I was actually thinking about this um, over the weekend and trying to work out in my head if there was a way that we could... Last week you were talking about Sheffield United and the potential you know, the next evolution in football and overlapping centre-backs. And I was like, is there a way that we can get two right-backs in a team? Because <laughs> I'm like, uh, I think, I think Rhys James is that good. And I'm like, yeah. it, how can we play him and Trent? Uh, right I, 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 don't, I don't want to move Trent yeah. from right-back. So can we have like rotating well, right-backs? Well, yeah, what you need <laughs> is a right-back and a right-wing-back. Yeah. <laughs> and then what you also play is Wan-Bissaka as kind of a... <laughs> He's a right centre-back who just does the defensive work. A right work. sweeper. Yeah. Right, a right-back sweeper. But no, I'm just like, suddenly, like, all of a sudden, what yeah. the hell, we've got, like, two... I Like, I watch him play. Like, we talked about... Who was it at um, Lower League? He was a Wigan uh, for two years. And But someone... Someone I respect in football, or maybe was he at Pompey as well, or was it when no. he was, at, was it when he was, it was when he was at Wigan? But someone that was working at Wigan and essentially said, "Look out for this." Oh, look we, out for this we, guy. We talked about. It. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. Was, but anyway, look, look out for him. He's gonna be 
I mean, great. Yeah. And the more I see him, and in this game, and I, I love the way he plays. He's got that like real rampaging fullback. Yeah, it just looks that, fun. Yeah, and I, I just and I, you're right. I loved it with the two of them. They just seemed like they played lots together. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy watching Chelsea and it's like that. <clears throat> I've I've had a theory. It's not about Chelsea. Can I? Move, can oh, I was going to say. Well, no, I'm putting it open to the floor. What games do you want to go into next? There's a few clubs. I want to talk about Southampton. Okay, go for it. Okay, now I'm not going to. Okay, right. What do you think of Ralph Hasenhutl? Well, we should preface this by the fact that they lost nine nil to Leicester earlier in the season, and then played Leicester in the rematch this week and beat them two one. I yeah. thought they might win this game. No, 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 okay, let me go on. What do you what do you what do you think? Of, of Ralph the Rabbit Hutch. But I think we, he's very good. Yeah, we rated, we talked yeah. about this at the start of the year. We thought that they'd be all he's right. And we, we were surprised when mm. they were, were doing badly. You think he's a harsh taskmaster. No, no, I also, yeah, that is, that is correct. But I, I, I find this interesting, you know. So he now has quite the glowing reputation, I'd say. Quite the yeah. glowing reputation. Okay. Of course, he, he lost 9-0 and he's turned the season around and he's now winning 2-1 and isn't that exciting? Yeah. Good on you, Ralph. Would you say that that's the common consensus? Well, he's doing very well, but he's been doing very well for a while. I would like to propose to you that it's all one big sham. Okay. So that he's rubbish? Well, no, I'd say that... Okay, so let's say Southampton were 12 after 22 games. Let's say, hypothetically, without having lost 9-0 and been crap. Let's say that he just kind of... Just, just, just stumbled his way into twelve. Southampton twelve. You'd kind of assume that with their squad, with Ralph at the end of last year, that about twelve, this point of the season, fair enough. We did say at the start of the season, we reckon they'll be in kind of mid table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they yeah. are, they are kind of where they are. However, had they done it without such an amazing capitulation and comeback, we would just have a pretty average view of Ralph Southampton. Whereas, whereas right now. The the pantomime of it all. I'm gonna I'm gonna press the corruption watch buzzer and I'm gonna say that, <laughs> that, that he is he has proactively thrown away his season and then comes sweeping back just so he looks awesome. So he's done it all himself. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all a big sham. No, I think as in he like engineered the yep, losing nine yep, 0 Yep, he pressed self destruct. I'm not sure how we did it. Probably with divots, divot, divots in the pitch, or or those, you know, those um, shoelaces that are actually like elastic springs. Yeah, yeah, use those, but loosened them. I, I'm, I'm going to say that he did that, and then slowly he gave them all steroids. No, I'm going to say that's all nonsense. <laughs> no. um, you don't think he's masterminded? He was Red Bull Leipzig or RB Leipzig, as they're officially known. Uh, he was their coach beforehand and they've done really well for a long time and are doing really well um, now. And he kind of set that up and set that in motion. Um, and I think he's a way better coach than Southampton deserve, if that's a bit rude for Southampton. He's a lot better than Mark Hughes. He's way better than Mark <laughs> Hughes, but I think he's a top six, top eight Premier League manager. It's a sham. Um, sham. Because <laughs> no. they've got a fairly limited side. I like the new Mane. You love, you love Danny Ings, don't you? You're a big Danny Ings fan. Uh, I just, I think, he's, I think he's a good striker. I, I think he's brilliant. I, I really liked him when he was at Burnley and he had that spell at Burnley when he was great. He's a bit like Tyrone um, Mings, but without the M. And I think he, he lost his way. <laughs> at, I think he, and he is a prime example of a player that needs to play. If he doesn't, he's not the kind of player that can, um, you know, come on for 10 minutes yeah. and, and do something. He just, it, a lot of it is instinct with him. I just think he's a, he's an instinctive finisher. Like you watched his, um, a lot of his goals are not, it's kind of just, uh, ball comes to him, hit it. Like there's not a huge his strike process. that hit the bar this yeah, weekend. It's amazing. amazing. But that was all yeah, reaction, I mean, right? Yeah. The ball just no came to him. It was just technique and yeah. reaction. There was no thought there. And I think when you're that kind of player, you have to be playing or you sort of lose that a bit. And he's on form. You know, he's yeah. confident. So he's that, a bit, that's a he's flaky, couple yeah. of confidence moves in there. Um, but no, I, I I think Southampton are where we expected them to be. I, I do think he's a de- I certainly think he's a good enough coach to keep him up. When you, when you look back at the way the season looked two months ago, to think that both Everton and Southampton are only four points off seventh. Everton Cup off, in your sights. Like, that's a pretty remarkable turnaround for both of those clubs. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, is there any other clubs anyone wants? I wouldn't talk about the Arsenal Palace game, actually. I'm making the executive decision. Go on then, John. Um, well, everyone loves Arteta, don't they? Everyone thinks Arteta's brilliant. I don't. Well, thank you, because I just think he's a bit shit. I thought he was a crap player. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but you know they call him the Spud. Why? Because he looks like a potato. Arteta. Uh, yeah. Arteta. Tater. 
Uh, he looks a bit a potato. dazed a lot of the time. Oh, no, I just not, I didn't oh. think didn't love him as a player. Every, all the pundits are coming Tough out room. right now and saying <laughs> <laughs> um, that Arsenal are looking brilliant. They're doing really well. They're really improving. He's won like one and a half games, and they played well for fifteen minutes in this game, and then were ropey. Then and probably have one of the best finishers in the Premier League. It's not the best finisher in the Premier League. Yeah. Then conceded a goal, and then Aubameyang gets sent off. And I don't think he's doing anything that special. And everyone's decided that they love Arteta. It is. It is funny how perception can be so for or so against a new coach. Yeah. Like it, it helps coming after Jungberg. Jungberg is really crap. <laughs> Jungberg had no idea. He's yeah. not a football manager. Like he's, wasn't he an underwear model? I was like, when he started co- I'm like, hold on, does he even have yeah. his coaching badges? Like, he was crap. So I think that helps. You can't yeah. judge people but, as being underwear models. I mean, I, I'm usually quite a fan of underwear models. <laughs> but uh, I... I don't think I don't sort of see anything's changed at Arsenal. To me, it doesn't really matter. I still sort of see. I think the problems at Arsenal were almost bigger than the um, first team coach or the manager, uh, and it's not a quick fix. Did you mm. see that they're in for John Stones? Have you read that? Yes. <laughs> Please tell me what you think of John Stones and David Louise playing next to each other. In this yeah, amazing. <laughs> I would I would pay to watch that. He'd be every there, Mister Dependable, though. John Stones. <laughs> like if you look at what else they've got, it, he'd be like the... it would be a calamity. But also some of the best through balls you've ever seen. Yeah, like a pinball machine, <laughs> like on multi ball. Like it would be crazy. But I think there's a there's a massive worry when they're talking about the fact that Callum Chambers is out for a while as a problem. Yeah, because Callum Chambers is inherently crap. The one thing that I wanted to bring up about Abemian getting sent off, though, is that hopefully Martinelli will play. Mm, I and do rate Martinelli. I yeah. think Martinelli's got something about him. He's going to be really, really good, and he's always scored when he's played in the League Cup or in the Europa League. Um, so I think hopefully he gets a game. And this week they play Sheffield United, and I think that of um, yeah, looking at the fixtures this week, that is one of the one of the highlights yeah. because. Again, with Arsenal's defence, they don't know how to handle normal teams, let alone when suddenly another bloody winger appears from nowhere on the bylines. I think that will be a really interesting game of football. Do you know the other thing that's interesting? I watched uh, the Leeds-Arsenal Cup game game, uh, live. How good were Leeds? Yeah, the first half, again, if you're an alien from outer space Mm. and you said which team's the, you know, the... One from the Premier League with a rich history. Well, I suppose they both have a rich history, but yeah. you know, which is a current Premier League team and which is a team in Championship. Yeah. Da, 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 you know, like I, it was a travesty that Arsenal won that game. Yeah. Like in the first up, and very Bielsa. But there were two things. I was like, Leeds looked great, played Arsenal off the park, and I was like, I really hope Leeds don't have a meltdown and they come yeah. back. I don't normally like Leeds, but I so want to see Bielsa in the Premier yeah. League because it's another. It's like Sheffield United. Like you watched Leeds play, another type of football. No one else plays like them, mm. and I think it'd be fascinating. And Arsenal just looked overwhelmed. Yeah, in the first half, they just they were chasing shadows. And the thing no is, idea. like with Bielsa ball, if he gets Leeds to the Premier League, he can attract players who can play his type of football better. Yes, and the reason why Leeds and I mean Leeds are very good in the Championship this year, aren't they? Second joint joint with West Brom, uh, yeah, top, like, uh, them and West Brom are a bit clear, yeah. a bit clear. Hopefully they're not they're not going to choke, but it's a long season. But when they get to the Premier League, they'll be able to replace some of those, um, yeah, you know, some of the cannon fodder with players who are able, is able to execute his plan. And oh man, we we are going to really enjoy that if it happens. My last thing on the Palace Arsenal game was that Roy Hodgson was managing football teams before Mikel Arteta was born. Really, that's how old Roy Hodgson is. And, and okay, and I bet press was far more positive about Arteta than Hodgson. Yeah, and I think Hodgson has done a great job at Palace. Although you slagged him off last week, yeah, I yeah. loved your, your comment on Palace and Burnley last week. It was just like move Boring. on. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's move on to the FA Cup this morning, Rog, because uh, Bristol City. We oh, never we're out of Brist- time, aren't we, Sean? No, we, we never really mentioned Bristol City on the pod. Only when you have a Championship update when you want to bring them up <laughs> but this morning they had a chance to win in the FA Cup third round replay and go and play Liverpool in a lucrative fourth round game in the FA Cup and you lost to League One Shrewsbury one yeah league. I'm really sad about this too because I just would have liked to be playing Liverpool never underestimate the Shrews <laughs> it's true um, and Joe Linton scored in the FA Cup this Joe morning. Linton first goal second goal of the season yeah, first, first goal for a long time yeah 
So maybe he's going to come good. Maybe he was actually the best buyer of the season. Forty million pounds well spent. Or maybe they'll play him on the left wing, which is his position. Which is his actual position. Yeah. <laughs> um, does anyone have any side stories before we go on? To, we can bring back the end game this week. I'm looking forward. Back. Looking forward to the end game. I, I think it's with having not spoken about Manchester United this week. Yeah. It will be hard to let the week slip by without a quote from Ollie. Now tell me if you've he heard this one before or a poet. Um, now, a few people have been quite displeased by this quote, and it's pretty easy to see why. Are you ready? Yep. You know, when you play Man City in the Carabao Cup and they put their strongest team out, you know you've gone places, because that means they respect us. Oh, God. Yeah, that's an awful quote. <laughs> 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 oh, the apple has turned. Because um, Man City should play the second team and win 9-1. Yeah. I've got some quick-fire side stories. Okay, you ready? Yeah, no, I'm going to acknowledge my side story. No. I don't, Quite from I, Ollie. Sorry, I wasn't listening properly. And I don't I just don't like Ollie. I just think he's not very good. Um uh, Darius Vassell, you brought him up last week. Yes. Real blast from the past. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I also remember yelling at the TV, yeah. why is Darius Vassell taking a penalty? But my favourite bit about the story that you didn't that didn't come up last week was that that was his last ever game for England. Oh, really? really? Yeah. That's awesome. Brutal. Oh. Uh, so, yeah. And anyway. well deserved. Darius. Darius? That was my Darius. Favorite. Darius or Darius. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw something this week that I loved about Sari. Um, Maurizio Sari. Maurizio Sari. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> a Juventus, obviously, they're a, a grand old lady. They're a you know, very prestigious club in Italy. Yeah. Uh, Sari usually just. Dresses in his um, tracksuit, tracksuit, and is a slob, and you know, chews on fag ends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and essentially, he had it written into his contract at Juventus that that would not be acceptable. So I don't know if you've seen him this year, but he wears like um, trousers. And, <laughs> you and say, a, you and say a, trousers like they're not really trousers. Well, they're the trousers, but then he wears like a tracksuit top. So it's kind of like a man that clearly doesn't like to be smart. Have being forced yeah. to like dress a little bit smart, it's like taking a thirteen-year-old to a wedding. Yes, yeah, but there was so there was a cop But one, and they're sort of asking, you know, how is it managing a different club like Juventus? And someone was talking to him after the game at the weekend against Roma, and a journalist asked him whether the first half of the season at Juventus had changed him. Um, and he said, "I don't know." He replied, "My wealth, my wife tells me I'm the same dickhead I was before." <laughs> I just, I love that. Like that's so, good. that's so sorry. I'm like he hasn't yeah. hasn't changed at all. Um, the other thing from Italy was that uh, the Verona and Genoa game was delayed for half an hour because all the lines on the pitch were wonky. And they had what? to they had to repaint all the lights. <laughs> That's amazing. Bizarre. How can that happen in Serie A? It can. Now the last one was in Spain, and I wanted yeah. to get your thoughts on this. Did you see the um, the weird Spanish Super Cup thing that was in played Saudi Arabia? Saudi Arabia yeah. But the final, Atletico yes. versus Real. Oh, and it went yeah, we're yeah. in the last five minutes of the game. Yeah. Um, the guy that was crap when he came to England and couldn't score for Chelsea, Morata. Morata. Is through on goal. Yeah. And... Uh, Gets rugby tackled by a guy. Valverde yep. from Madrid. Sees him going in on goal. Knows if he scores. It's the end of the game. It's all over. It is a beautiful but also disgusting <laughs> challenge in that he knows he's not going anywhere near the ball. Hacks him. Absolutely yeah. hacks him down. And it's the old two-footer yeah. where he takes, you know, like both legs, yeah. like with both of his <laughs> legs. It's like a, like a double action. Like, <laughs> cleans him up like a piece I'm, of machinery. Yeah, like, if I'm not going to break your leg once, I'm going to do it twice. Yeah. And there's been mixed reactions to the game. He actually won man of the match, even though he did that. And some people have come out and said, this is a disgrace. You can't give him man of the match for doing that. Diego Simeone tapped him on the head as he went off and said, brilliant, because... Yeah. You know, Simeone would would love that. Obviously, loves the dark arts and thought it was the thing to do. I kind of loved it because I'm like, you're going to do that, right? He got sent off. Yeah, obviously, he got sent. But off. they won the game. On denied it. Denied a clear goal scoring opportunity. But it was outside the box. So there wasn't a penalty. Is do you guys have any issue with that? I no. sort of thought you'd do it, wouldn't you? I think every it's day brilliant. of the week. I think the reason that should it be applauded though. I think the reason England haven't won a World Cup in the last 50 years is because we don't Because do we that. question it. Yeah. Yes. If, if we were a nation of winners, we wouldn't even consider the questioning of that. Yeah. Like, if you do that to win the game. And yes, it's wrong. Yes, it's a foul. Did they win the Cup? Yes, they did. So it doesn't matter. What would you say yeah. if he broke his legs? 
actually broke his legs. If he actually broke his legs, I would have more of an issue with it. Sounds like he could have broken both well, his but legs. Well, no, so but that's, that's but, where it's difficult, because like, it was... But so so could, he broke his legs and, and as ruined a, his career because he broke his legs. He's a footballer. He needs his legs. But there's the as a footballer, there's a way you can tackle just to take them down. He's not going to go in and break his legs. He's just taken him down and made sure he's falling over. But you, you can make sure you're not going to break their legs. It was pretty bad. <laughs> it was like it was a proper scythe. Yeah, like it wasn't wasn't as bad. But it wasn't as bad as Bamiyang's. Like because here's the thing: if he'd have like. And, and this is probably where my opinion sits. If he'd have jumped in and like if he'd have shirt, assaulted him, shirt tugged, you know, which yeah. is breaking the rules, it denies a clear goal scoring opportunity, pulls him back and gets sent off. Sa- yeah. Same effect in the game of football. That I'm like, winner. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, but the fact that he scythed him down, I feel like you could have literally injured the bloke, and you could have had the fact that you've ended this bloke's career on your mind to win a game of football. And I, I, I think that's there is a line that was. Probably I'm kind of with you on this as well because I'm also like, I would love it if he just would have rugby tackled him. Yeah, or like, just got, like point his shirt, yeah. or just I mean. if you like, know you're going to get sent off, more blatant. then you don't you don't have to side him down and, and risk his career. You can you can just put your fingers up his nose or whatever, put but your finger up his bum. <laughs> but I think. <laughs> Why don't, he just, why don't he just lick his finger, just slip it up his bum, wiggle it around, and then go, yoink. But I, think, I, I, I think the scythe down element of it is to try, like, it's a natural reaction as the defender in that position because you're trying to make it look like, oh, I just mistimed yeah. it. I just, oh, it was so bad. It's, you're going everyone for the, knew what he was doing. You're going for the tackle, but in the knowledge that if I get nowhere near the ball, I have to See, get the ball. I think, I think that's yeah. cowardice. I think if you were to... But you're with, but you're running ahead of me, John. You're running ahead of me. You're, you're a distance ahead of me. Yeah. And if I run and I've just got long arms, I pull your shirt and pull you down and I look at the referee, I'm like, yep. And I just start walking off like like Cantona would. Yeah. Then, there, then I, if I was Simeone, I'd go, I'd yeah, give I'd him a love hug, to see that. And I'd go, you knew exactly what you're doing. But no you one would do it because it's too blatant. And, but your legs are further in front of you. You can't, like, you can't yeah, just reach like that. You can jump you, forwards. No. I've seen <laughs> Boris Johnson doing a charity match. On a football pitch, is going to dive forwards and grab. Like, End feature. Or did you have a side story? I've got one side story. Okay. That's a shit argument, Jeff. This is why we don't win anything. <laughs> go back to America, where you come from. Um, my one side story comes from Chris on Facebook. Thanks, Chris. Um, have you heard of Kazuyoshi Miura? He's yeah. a Japanese player. He's just signed a new contract at Yokohama FC for his 35th year as a professional footballer. I am 35 years old right now. He is 52 years old and he is still playing. I think they're in the second division, but uh, he's still a professional player and he's wow. 52 years old. Can I just say, I, I actually, separate to, to Chris on Facebook, I, I remember I saw this story last week and I was super interested in it. He won... Um, Something that I think was Asian player of the century, last century. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. He was the first ever Japanese player to play in the Italian league in Serie A. Yeah, yeah, like he he had a really good footballing career. And now he's in his 50s and Mm. it's incredible. And he still plays for Yokohama. Yokohama won the league last year. Oh wow! Because because um, the uh, Ange Postacoglu, the Australian coach, oh, right, manages yeah. Yokohama FC, oh, yes. and they won the league. The first time they won the league in a long time, and and he's proving himself as a great manager. Actually, I think by the way, Ange Postacoglu should get a better job than that. Yes. He's obviously proven to be very good. A bit stubborn, bit belligerent, but yeah. you know that he's means he did a good he job at Austra- for Australia. He did. I'm, I'm, had, I'm surprised he didn't get like Dielsa. If he had better players to yeah. to incorporate his plan, so yeah, thanks, Chris. I thought that was really good. So let's go on to the exciting end game. This is what everyone's been waiting for so the scores are Rogers on five Jeff's on four I'm on three and it's your go to go Rog so what game are Jeff and I getting the teams for well I'm actually giving I'm sorry John I'm giving Jeff a bit of a chance to redeem himself this week because in the last game it was Everton and Jeff Joe's and up yes on this first go which was great Oh, uh, so he's panicking. Look, he's panicking. There around. was a, there is a, a game this week, which is an interesting one, which is West Ham versus Everton. Okay. I'll tell you, West Ham are going to win that game. So David Moyes is uh, the David Moyes reunion. Yes, the David Moyes derby. So I have gone. I'm taking you back to the 14th of May 2018, which is the last time we had the David Moyes reunion at Upton Park. So, David Moyes managing West Ham versus Everton. 
And who's going first? Uh, you can go first, John. Mark Noble. <laughs> <laughs> He's played every game for West Ham for the last 30 years. Mark Noble, correct. Yes. 2018. Jordan Pickford. Jordan Pickford, correct. Um, who who is it? Everton West Ham. When in sorry, what, what month in <laughs> what West, West Ham versus Everton? Can you tell me who the manager was? On the fourteenth of May, twenty eighteen. Who was the Everton manager? Uh, Sam Allardyce. Fireman Sam was the Everton manager. Uh, Thea Walcott. Oh, John. Oh no. No. Theo Walcott came on as a sub. Oh, another go. Another go. Declan Rice. Declan Rice played centre back. Nice. What? Sorry. What month was it? <laughs> what month did you say? May. May. Last, so was it before last or time or after? You Sam Allardyce was. So was Just Wayne Rooney? Quick answer is a good answer. Wayne Rooney. No, he'd already gone to the States. I'll take that back. Tom no, Davis. No, you cannot take anything back. Wayne Rooney. Bye-bye. Oh, yes. no. I, have to, I have to get it right, don't I? Yes, you do. Uh, oh, I've got a few written down here. Seamus Coleman. Yeah, that's a... Seamus Coleman. Correct. Easy. Yes. Fuck. Shit. Yes. Cunt. Again, Everton. Seamus Coleman. Maybe we found Baines, your Achilles. Yeah, there's I, so I, I many. I couldn't work out whether it would have been Baines or Dinier. So, so I thought I'm going to uh, Run you through it. Uh, Everton, Pickford, uh, Funes Mori played. Oh, wow. In 2018. Well, it's our Foon. Have you got the year right? Our yeah, you, I'm assuming that's Funes Mori. You've got the year uh, right. Jags, Michael Keane. Uh, no, no. Keane and Funes Mori would not have been in the same team. Well, I've got here... On Premier League, fourteenth of the fifth, twenty eighteen, and maybe it's Arthoons or someone different. What month, Rog? May. Jeff. <laughs> Schneiderlin, Schneiderlin playing just in front. He then had Guai, Tom Davis, Leighton Baines, and Coleman. Sink Tossen, Omani Asse. On my list, I've got Davis. I've got Tossen. I'm like, I've got loads. Why did I go for Wayne? Because he scored that goal from the halfway line against West Ham. Well, that was like five years ago. No, well, he wasn't there five years ago, John. He was at Man United five years ago, Ooh, being your all-time top goal scorer. Yeah. Adrian, Rice, Ogbonna, Cresswell, Zabaleta, Kuyate, Noble, Masuku, Jao Mario. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, he was yeah. good, Joe Mario. Uh, he was on Lanzini and Anatovic. Do you know so the other slightly tricky? I picked between Seamus Coleman and Fabianski as the goalie, oh. so I would have gone wrong with Fabianski. Um, Joe Mario, they got him on loan, and I remember thinking he was a top quality player. He was good eight years ago, and so then they loaned so him. Where is he now? Oh, just like playing Middle East somewhere. <laughs> Middle East, you don't know. Davy Klassen came off the bench. Oh, there's Walcott, no. Balassi. Balassi. Obiang, Collins, Can I just give you a Balassi update? Is that interesting or no? Yeah, go on. He's currently at Sporting uh, on loan. Uh, He's made 18... Sporting Lisbon. Lisbon, uh, Made 18 appearances this year. Got five assists, a couple of goals. Um, Absolutely dogging it. He was really good once upon a time. But then he broke his leg. Yeah. Yeah. Jao Mario is playing for Locomotive Moscow. Ex-Bristol City, Jeff. Locomotive Moscow. Yeah, close to the Middle East. uh, Oh, Not really. No. Um, are we all done? Has everyone got anything all else? Done. <laughs> all done. <laughs> um, Rog, it's great to have you back. It's nice to not just have to spend room time in a sweaty room with Jeff. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week. Uh, don't forget, if you want to get in contact or ask us any questions, um, tell us we're stupid or wrong about something, just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Just totally smuggled a dog in. See ya. Bye. Quick. Quick. Bye. Not on a plane. Your dog died on a plane. Doesn't smuggle a dog.